All right, so we are going to get started. Um, <coughs> I'm going to give you guys a little bit of a preview of what's to come and uh, just introduce myself to you. So my name is Mariah, and I am the youth and young adult lead this summer at conference. Um, this is my fourth summer on staff. I've been working with conference center and family camp since 2016. And I've actually been living up here since February, and I've gotten the absolute privilege of helping build a lot of the programming for both conference centers youth program and Ponderosa's uh, youth programming. So it's been really cool. I graduated from William Jessup University in Rockland um, this past year. And so that's kind of my background. And I've worked in youth ministry since I was 18. I started working at a middle school um, program. So I have about five years of youth ministry experience. So um, these are my friends. They're going to introduce themselves to you. They're going to tell you their names, what grade they're in, and what their schooling background is. So like if you guys go to public, private, homeschool, that type of thing. Um, but I just have a few little announcement type things before we get started. And the first one is that we want to make sure that we create an environment of respect in here. So they will respect you in the same way that we ask that you guys respect them. Also, it takes a lot to come up and sit up here and be on this panel. And because of that, uh, nothing that they say in this space is wrong. It is what they believe is true. So um, also, if any questions get to a point where I'm like, hey, we're just going to move on to the next one, either it's uh, a topic that we're kind of I feel like we've talked a lot about or that um, I feel like a better topic is on the horizon. Um, I will move you guys forward. So can you guys introduce yourselves? And yeah, start with David and say your name, um, your grade, and what your schooling background is. Okay, hello. My name is David Liu. Uh, I am currently in youth as a super senior, meaning that I have already graduated and yet I'm still 18. Uh, for for most of my life, I've done a little bit of homeschooling, but I have done private schooling for most of my life. So multiple schools that have accreditation but are not part of the public association. Awesome, thank you. Um, I'm Anya Mortensen, and I'm going into my closer. senior year, so I'm closer. 17. And I have gone to public school my whole entire life. Uh, I'm Corey. Uh, I'm going into my senior year, but I am 18, and I currently attend a private Catholic school. My name is Abby. I'm going to be a junior, so I'm 16, and I go to public school, too. Cool. Thanks, guys. I always think that that's kind of a cool environment to see, you know, where what schooling is like, because it can be such a different environment. Can you guys say where you're from real quick? I'm from uh, Sacramento, California, in a little town called Natomas. It's a fun place. Go check it out. <laughs> um, I'm from Castro Valley, which is East Bay area near Oakland. Uh, I'm from San Luis Obispo, which is dead in the middle of, of uh, Central Coast. Um, I'm from Boston, Massachusetts, so not from California. <laughs> Which is also a really cool perspective because not everyone at family camp is here. So if I could get, Dave Burns always says the first question is the hardest, but maybe not because you guys probably came in with a few. So do I have a first question? Awesome. And I'm going to hand you guys the microphone because this is being recorded for online. So. 
I, uh, growing up in, in probably your age-ish, um, had a hard time opening up or like talking honestly with my parents. And so I'm worried as my kids are approaching your age that they're going to have the same thing. So what sort of ways or um, environments can we be in that we can, that you guys would feel more comfortable opening up, talking honestly about real life things that are kind of uncomfortable, whether that be, you know, uh, things that you know are wrong that other people are doing or um, about relationships that you have or things like that? It's a really good question. Um, for me, I would just say that a lot of it, I think, depends on just like the kid themselves, like uh, their personality. So I guess if they're more closed off and reserved just in general, um, I think the more you mention a certain type of topic, the more normalized it becomes. So even though it's not like super normal, if they feel like they can bring it up without it being like out of the blue, then that's a really good way to like make it so that when they're ready to, they will approach you. But also as a teen, it's, it's really easy to feel like your parents are pestering you. So if like you're knocking on their door when it's closed and then opening it and then going, hey, what do you think about this? And then you leave without closing the door. We're gonna be like, hey, <laughs> close the door. And so it's not the most, uh, I guess, efficient way of bringing up topics is to like pester them, but like bring it up, I guess, enough times in casual conversation where it's not out of the blue if like your child wanted to bring it up. That's what I would say. Uh, yeah, it's always going to be a little awkward talking to your parents about stuff like that. Uh, it, it's just the nature of the conversation and the nature of the topics. Um, but the best way is just to like start out making a super like comfortable environment, like, and start out building this like um, uh, trusting relationship with your kiddo. Um, you know, <laughs> kiddo. Yes. Uh, <laughs> Uh, you know, just like, and maybe that involves you opening up to them first and talking about stuff your age, you know. I mean, you guys were teenagers too, whether we believe it or not. Um, so, you know, creating a, a space where, you know, they know that you've had similar experiences and, uh, and that, they, that you can relate to um, could really help open up the table for the topics. I don't want to hog the mic, but um, I was just going to say, if it's something where there could be like a point of contention or where there might, they might have, well, for me, since I'm in the public schooling um, and my parents, they rose my, they sent my brother like private schooling stuff. Um, there's definitely like, my school is more liberal. And so like the views and the way that material is taught reflects that, but they don't shut down the opposing view. I think personally, if you're gonna argue against like a point that your child is making, the most effective way to do it is to take a softer stance but use more evidence rather than taking a hard approach with less evidence because then their point feels validated and you're really only making your point stronger if you have more examples to back it up rather than being like, you're wrong, be like, well, this is another view and this backs this up. And then also, 
try to, I guess, tie in personal stories with why you believe what you believe. Because if we believe that you're saying something just because it's like an absolute or it's just like the truth, that's kind of off-putting. But if we have like more of your perspective as to why you believe that this is correct, then we will feel more emotionally tied to it and more receptive to what you have to say. They have to set it down carefully so it doesn't make a big noise. So when uh, when, a, when a teenager is like going through something, they try to uh, deal with it by themselves. Uh, I, some of us are guilty of keeping secrets because that's just how, how we view the world. We all have like a, like a secret. So if you, if you want to um, uh, have your child open up at our age, uh, you gotta set the environment. For me, it was always a family meeting upstairs and uh, sitting on the couch and discussing uh, cer certain stuff. Uh, but it may not work for you if your child uh, doesn't doesn't really like family discussions. So just got so in order to really open up, in my opinion, you gotta view it at the you gotta see in the perspective of the of the teenager or child. So, awesome. Yeah. Cool. <laughs> Perfect. All right, next question. As I get stuck to the stool. Yeah. So, um, just the question I have is, so I grew up without really having a dad around, and I had a great mom, but not a great, yeah, present father. And um, uh, so I was wondering, uh, you didn't mention this at all, but I, I assume that you're your parents are both there. Um, and then my question is, what is something that your dad did or is doing that was that you felt this is a really good thing? This is really helpful to me as a, as a Christian or as a, just a person. Yeah. Let's go down. Dungeons and Dragons. <laughs> what was it? The role of a dad is leading your child. You, you know, the mom takes on the emotional side while the dad takes on the more uh, hard side. Sometimes a child have will be rough around the edges and, uh, and some people just can't deal with that. The dad understands, the, understands it because he is the father. The father understands the wants and the needs of the children, while the son and daughter has uh, looks up to the dad because the dad because society works that way and uh, yeah. Uh, but for but for how a dad uh, plays a big role in like uh, us teenagers, kids. A dad really is there to support us, mm. and uh, and like dad activities, spending time with your dad—that's always fun. Yeah. Uh, for those who don't 
uh, have a dad or has or had a dad pass away early in life. Uh, rem- remember those times when he, when he was alive, because those moments will always last with you. Uh, yeah, so I definitely agree with that uh, personally, and I feel like this is the way with a lot of my, my peers and people around me. Um, I'll go to my mother for topics more on the emotional side. Um, however, a you know if you think about it, just like in the in the church, we have our our church fathers, our pastors um, to look up to as as the fathers of the church, and we have um, in the uh, in the Bible we have you know uh, God and and Christ as our our father, and that's you know translates directly into into the family. The father's role is to be this like. Um, Christ-like image, you know, where he's supposed to like, you know, that sounds a little like blasphemy, but that's not what I was intending. Uh, so uh, what I mean is that, uh, you know, my father has influenced my life greatly just by, you know, being a Christ-like role model and by, um, you know, showing me uh, how to be a moral man and how to be a, uh, a, a good man and grow up and, um, you know, be a light in, you know, the quickly darkening world, um, and how to be this, like, he's, he's just been, you know, like a role model figure, and that's, that's the guidance I would say, is just be as Christ-like as possible, because that's what we're called to do, and, you know, in the Bible, and, uh, uh, that's how to be, you know, a good father, I'd say, is just be Christ-like. Okay, it's kind of really interesting for me to hear boy's perspective because... I was like, I have an answer too. <laughs> yeah, um, from a girl's perspective, uh, my dad, boy, he has a big heart, but he has an even bigger wallet, you see. And so, I'm kidding. But I mean, um, you know, a good way to earn favor with any child is buy them stuff. And that sounds really superficial, but... We do appreciate it, um, but I think, okay, I have a serious answer, I swear, I'm getting, to, I'm getting there. Um, for, for me, uh, I think just quality time mm-hmm. is really good, and um, yeah, my mom is definitely the more like lax person in the relationship. She's like, if my dad's not home, she's like, ice cream for dinner, and I'm like, mom, that's just what you want. <laughs> I'm lactose intolerant. Um, <laughs> So, um, but I think definitely being a role model, but I think providing emotional support too is important, but that's just my take on it. Okay. Yeah, I definitely agree. My dad is a pastor. So like, I definitely look up to him in that way, but I think just like making time in your day or just like in the week to just spend some time, like a lot of my friends, parents, are always busy and always working and they never get to spend time with like either of their parents and I think making sure you like take out a small part of like each day or a little bit just to connect and like spend time has definitely made a big difference. So the question was what does quality time look like? My dad loves bird watching, which I hate, but <laughs> since I'm a good daughter, I will sometimes go on like walks with him and we will go bird watching, which is like okay, but 
I've gotten used to it. Um, or just like walking to a cafe nearby because in Boston there's a lot of cafes everywhere. And um, so like just getting a drink and talking is probably my favorite thing to do with him. Yeah, or going on runs. I like going on runs with my dad. I was just gonna say that I think interestingly enough, a lot of quality time is just spent in like teaching us things. So my dad, since I'm driving his car, was the one to teach me how to drive. And so on those drives, since I'm trapped in a moving vehicle, he found it the perfect opportunity to question me about my love life and all, all the happenings at school. It doesn't and get any better the older you get. When you're in control of the vehicle, you don't want to crash, so you're kind of forced to reply because then it's kind of awkward if you're just there and he's like, so dating anyone? And I'm just like, oh, me? Um, but so I think finding like those times um, in teaching them stuff, especially since, well, I play tennis and my dad used to play tennis. So like one thing that we would do is go out and play tennis and I can proudly say I can kick his butt. Um, <laughs> But he still enjoys being there. But also, like, we would have, like, father-daughter dates when I was younger. And so if I did my chores, we'd get, like, bonus bucks. And so then if I had enough, I could be like, let's go out to breakfast. And then we would just talk over breakfast. And so, like, that's what my dad and I do. Uh, yes. So quality time can be, like, really whatever you and your son or daughter connect over. Whatever you guys... Um, you know, it doesn't have to be necessarily something you have in common. It can be whatever you just, you know, can can connect over. Uh, and that can be, you know, my, my dad takes my little brother to the beach and they, they go surfing or um, my dad will just hang out with me and, and spend time in uh, uh, my room with me and we'll just, we'll just chill. Um, so it's really like, varies from person to person. And it can, it's just whatever, you know, you guys have time to, hang out with each other and whatever you both can get some enjoyment out of doing. That's what, that's what I would say. Okay. Yeah. Sorry. Just one more thing. Um, <laughs> I know I'm talking a lot, but, uh, for my dad and I, we also just like, I think finding something in the faith to connect over as well. Cause like my dad and I both really like C.S. Lewis. And so we'll read a book and then we'll just like talk about it. So we've read, the Great Divorce, Screw Tape Letters, we're reading Miracles right now. So it's like really cool if you have like an activity to do, but also something in the faith that ties those things together. I agree. This is my dad's sweatshirt that I stole. So we talk about football. <laughs> so yeah. our, our son is going into high school and he was homeschooled in middle school and now going into a public school. Um, and, and he believes he's, he, he loves the Lord, um, but we find a struggle to encourage him to read the word uh, on a we'd love to see daily basis. <laughs> um, what kind of Bible studies have you found were something that rocked your world <laughs> that you would encourage us to, encourage him to do? So your son has going, your son has been uh, homeschooled for, for like middle school or private schools? 
for middle school and he's going to a public school. That's a dangerous combination there. Okay. Uh, I I can sort of relate. Um, I've I've uh, switched between public school, private school. Sometimes the the experience is different. So, uh, and you're saying that your son has uh, is struggling with reading the word. Uh, so when we did a youth um, a youth Bible study, it's usually with a youth group. We're going to uh, we're going to youth church. I remember like uh, going to encounter, and that was uh, basically for teens or juniors uh, just going there and reading the word. And then we take the time to uh, pray. We take the time to uh, actually study. So, uh, in order for, in my personal take, in order to have your son more invested in reading the Bible, you gotta find uh, that little small thing, that little stickiness factor that can bring those two together. Uh, so, so first of all, really the only thing that you can do is encourage him. Um, if you, you know, make him an outline and tell him, I want you to read these verses tonight, it's not going to go over well, and it's going to result in him um, rejecting it and uh, drifting even farther away. It has to be something that he uh, wants to do by his own accord. Um, personally, uh, you know, reading the Bible is something I struggle with because I don't like reading. Um, so, um, it's as simple as that. Uh, so the best advice I can, I can offer you as far as going into a public high school from a, uh, uh, private, or for a, from a homeschooling, um, is to get them connected in with a good youth group. Um, cause ultimately, you know, that's, is what's going to strengthen his faith is his faith is having peers around him that believe the same as him. Um, and, because you can't be, you know, the the Bible calls us into communion with others and to be a family in the church. Um, you can't be like a Lone Ranger Christian, you know. You have to be with others. Um, and that's what's going to, to strengthen his faith, his faith and keep him strong throughout, uh, throughout his public school is friends around him that are, that share his Christian values and his Christian virtues. Uh, and that's what's going to keep him from drifting away. I feel like probably one of the most frustrating things about being a parent, not that I am one, but I would assume is that when it comes to like your child's faith, it's so much in their hands and like it's okay to like see them flounder a little bit. I think it's probably really scary, but there's, I think every teen kind of goes through that period of where they have to find what works for them. Um, I think well, Mount Hermon has great youth programs, and so, like, if I personally started reading the Bible after I went to uh, Mount Hermon, sorry, Ponderosa, which is the high school program, which is really cool because um, they do stuff in the fall, so, like, during the school time, so it's, like, it's, like, a little, they fit what, what happened in a week into a weekend, 
and so your kid kind of gets a break from the secularism that that's found in uh, public high school. Um, but really having him find a community that maybe doesn't like force him to read the Bible, but just like encourages it. And if he sees other people around him doing it, um, you're gonna wanna do it because a lot of the thing about being a teen is wanting to fit in. So if it becomes normalized that like reading scripture is normal and that it's, um, that other people are doing it, you won't feel so awkward about trying or attempting to do it yourself. But also, um, I think one thing that isn't always talked about is just finding a translation that works for them. Okay. Because my friend was so confused during this past um, week in Ponderosa reading the Bible because she had the King James Version. And I was like, get a different version of the Bible. And she's like, but it's so small, and I like it because it's small. I'm like, but you can't even read it. <laughs> it's not, it doesn't do you any good if you can't read it. And so find like a translation that works. And if they're not well-versed in the Bible, then finding someone who knows the Bible or can help like walk them through certain passages or just really give them a good insight on what books to read for where they are in their faith is really important too because you can read the Bible but not know like what you're reading. And so I think it's important to have that community that like builds on each other. So yeah. Yeah, I think community is really important to so, like finding a youth group. And like he said, I hate reading. So I find it really hard to read the Bible and like, or if I do, I just start getting distracted. So something my parents did that really helped was like get a like devotional book that was more like hands-on because I like that more than just like reading and writing so I think that really helped me and I'm still working on trying to read the Bible more but like a devotional book really helped and I think just finding a good community to surround yourself with so so in so uh, when when you introduce uh, the Bible to your son who is uh, struggling with it, you gotta make it fun. <laughs> Making it fun allows, the, allows positive connections uh, to your son and the Bible. And positive connections means that the son will, will basically go back to it. Because those of you who have a hobby, something you like, you, you do it constantly. You love doing it. So associating something fun with the Bible is like a match made in heaven. Yeah, go ahead. So I have an older brother, and he did the whole homeschooled middle school into high school public school switch. And my experience with teenage boys when they're doing that is that they very much like to make it that they've done it on their own. So a lot of it, as I think especially with boys, is that you you just gotta kinda be a little hands off in a like way. You can't be like, hey, did you read your Bible? Or, you know, checking up on them because they get some of them get irritated very quickly. And once again it very quickly switches to pestering. And if they don't feel like they've done it on their own, there's just like a lack of a sense of accomplishment with it. If you guys have a junior high or high school student, we offer a 30-day challenge devotional um, with like 
Bible verses and stuff that they'll get the opportunity to receive tomorrow. So ask your camper and be like, hey, did you guys grab one of those 30 day challenges? And then we do run fall frenzies for junior high and high school. There's one for each grade level in November and December. And we run those out of Ponderosa Lodge. As a boy, I can confirm that. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> Next question. Perfect. So you mentioned your school is pretty liberal. Um, what, if anything, have your parents done to help you navigate that, or what has been helpful in your experience? I think, so I mean, I took this past year uh, AP US History, and so personally my teacher was very um, moderate in the way he taught. He wasn't super liberal or super conservative. He really tried to keep a neutral perspective, which was nice, but I could definitely tell that some ideas that I was bringing back home, or at least the way I phrased said ideas, my parents were like, hmm. But as hmm as they were, they never really, <laughs> they never really shut it down. And I think, <laughs> sorry, in, at Ponderosa, if you wanna share water, you're supposed to say shut it down. So it's a funny <laughs> phrase, it's a little inside joke. And now you're on the inside. Um, anyways. But they, I think it's important to not invalidate another, um, like the other side's like argument. Because I think personally we're coming into a day and age where it's so often like, don't confuse me with the facts. People have their opinion and they're just gonna stick to it. And so if we can like help make uh, create an atmosphere where it's okay to have a different opinion, but also to to kind of like I said, take a softer stance against it and use more evidence. Then eventually the truth doesn't fluctuate. The truth is an absolute, so they're gonna have to see the truth either way. And I think it's really about them navigating that themselves as well. But as long as you're not rejecting what they have to say and you're hearing them out and you're making them feel heard, they'll be more prone to listen to any counter arguments you have to make. So that's how my parents dealt with it. Yeah. Um. Sorry, I'm trying to organize my thoughts. <laughs> so, yeah, history teachers are the best. Uh, I'm a big, big fan of history teachers um, because they have really interesting opinions. And that's my favorite part about them. Uh, but obviously, uh, I don't go to a, a, a public school. I go to a Catholic school. But it's still the same deal. You know, it's hard not to be um, uh, you know, affected by all the indoctrination around, um, and to, to keep to what you know as, um, as true based on, um, your Christian morals and your guidelines as a Christian, uh, and so, sorry, uh, you know, we, we live in a time and day and age where, where the world is 
increasingly and progressively uh, anti-Christian, and you know all of the the rhetoric is, uh, and and their all their rhetoric is is increasingly um, exactly the opposite of our, our Christian morals. You know, preaching things like um, vanity and uh, gluttony and all sorts of um, things that go go against you know what how we're supposed to live as Christians, and it's hard not to fall into that when the the world is so full of temptation and everything, and that is, you know, you can see it in the in the school system. Um, so, as far as your question was, how to guide away from that? Um, you know, just having those conversations with your kids, just, you know, being like, uh, I saw, I saw this the other day, like, how do you, how do you feel like that is, that is affecting you, and like, um, how can I, how can I reassure you in, in these morals, and, and stuff like that, I don't have a very, um, well put together answer, sorry for that. I think, um, a good thing to know about teenagers Mm -hmm is that, at least for me personally, when you're learning a new perspective, especially if it's kind of a little bit against what your parents believe, it's kind of just, it's just kind of fun to oppose your parents, as bad as it sounds. It's just kind of, it's just, it's a I mean, she admitted it, so. It's like a little challenge. And so, um, (laughs) just know that um, your kid may just want to challenge you and as long as you, you know, I think, stay true to your morals, and as long as their morals have been, like, set in pretty well, they're not going to diverge that far from it. They're not going to just switch to this opposite <coughs> side of the spectrum. I really don't think that the school system has that much power, because while a lot of it is thrown at us, I know that there's times in class where I'm just like, mm, that's not right, though. And so... I think a lot of it is also trusting your child to to stay the course, but if they do start to diverge from it, um, I think it's one, just expect it. Two is just like, I not like allow it, not like encourage it, but um, don't just be super off put to it because it's part of like the learning curve. It's part of them um, coming into their own, which is so much of what high school is, is developing your own opinion and you don't want to feel like you're just carrying your parents opinion but if it can work like well with your parents opinion then that's even better and so I think it's allowing them to find their own take on like the beliefs that you've already instilled in them awesome Uh, coming to you uh, I'm gonna go here and then there Thank you guys for sharing. I just wanted to ask, how, how do you four individually walk out your faith in the face of all this adversity and like in boldness and you know, how do you guys um, live each day as you know, Christian teens sharing your faith with others and um, you know, just overcoming the world and the worldliness you're facing? Oh boy. Uh... For me, um, how I live my faith is very straightforward. It was pr- 
pretty much black and white. Uh, I remember like I that I got baptized at the age of eight, and I just accepted him. You know, I didn't find anything uh, too too dis- too overbearing, too um, questionable. I just found that he was the way. And when when I just when I just know that, I feel it in my heart and I feel it in my belly. <laughs> he he feel, he like fills me and I know it. Knowing God that love loves you is the best feeling that I could ever that I could ever I could ever share. And and I personally have a hard time uh, making friends. Uh, I I react poorly to uh, social cues, and uh, and it's really hard to uh, to really open up to find uh, a little connection where people uh, have already done it, where people create groups, and it's kind of hard and it's really intimidating. So you kind of feel alone in that situation, but. I didn't feel that because in that time I had I felt God. Me, I was never alone because God was always there. So I yeah, I I'm not sure how much I can dive into this. But he was he was always there. And I believe him. Um, so for me personally, um, I'm very personable, or at least I try to be. And so I'm like, I connect with people first through like humor and just kind of building those baseline connections. And, um, this past year was the first time that I did that in the church because I went on a missions trip. And so I think that that has given me another just kind of like sense of confidence and so um navigating through adversity i think personally on this missions trip uh i was made more aware of like spiritual warfare and i think (laughs) we've talked about this so much um but like knowing that it exists and i think at least bringing up the idea that it exists. Um, I know my parents did that, and at first I was like, nah, you're just being overdramatic, and that's coming from the teenager. Um, But I think it's an important thing to be able to recognize, and um, because it helps you make, like, the small decisions on, like, what music to listen to and, like, what comedy to listen to, because so much in our world... um, it's kind of like hidden behind like this oh it's innocent because it's like funny but like really the values are so opposed to what we as christians believe and so i think my parents have been pretty hands-off with like my music tastes but obviously i'm not going to be playing hardcore rap in the car especially if they don't like it they make known what they don't like me listening to and like to my best i try to abide by that but i think that as like 
you become more mature in your faith, you begin to care more about like being obedient in the little things. And I think that makes all the difference in your walk with Christ. Yeah, definitely. That, that last line as you, as you mature in your faith. Um, uh, yeah, it's hard to stay straight in, uh, you know, I've said it once today, but like, uh, the world that's increasingly anti-Christian and, you know, that you, you said it so well, how it's like hidden in all the little things, you know, it's in, in shows and in, um, uh, TV and TV and movies, uh, uh, and songs, it's it's all around us. It's being preached all around us. This this uh, you know immoral uh, just world that we live in, uh, and ultimately, you know, it comes down to making the decisions in your life. Uh, and and as parents, you know, besides being role models and and guiding in the right direction, there's not a lot that you guys can do as much as you know. Uh, as, as you want to help, uh, there's not a lot because uh, the decision has to be made in their hearts for themselves. You know, you can, you know, limit shows and, and filter music and stuff like that, but ultimately it comes down to them. If they, if they want something that is uh, not moral and that is not of God, they're going to find it, and they will find it. Uh, so it comes down to a choice in their hearts, you know. Uh, you know, for it, it, the Bible calls us, you know, if if your right hand causes you to sin, remove it. If your eye causes you to um, to sin, then then remove it. And that's that's obviously a metaphor for. I mean, I wouldn't literally cut off my hand, but you know, if there's things in your life that cause you to sin, those things need to be removed, whether those are certain music or certain friends that you're around or certain um, uh, shows, um, social media, stuff like that. And that that has to be a decision on, on their part that they have to choose. And But that decision can stem from, you know, your guiding them in the right direction. And ultimately, I mean, for me at least, you know, why should we, you know, fear the judgment of man when the judgment of God is what we should be fearing? So that's uh, that's that's how I how I think about it. Perfect. I think there was a question. Oh, yeah. Do you oh, have was, one last thing? Yeah. I was yeah. On you, go ahead, and then I'll come. That um, as parents, I think that. Like I said, for teenagers, it's just kind of fun to oppose you guys. And so the harder you make it for us to reach, you know, like these immoral things, it becomes more out of principle that we disobey and not really like, oh, we really want to. But it's just like, this is just to prove my point that like, I'm not going to be affected, even though we will be. And so I think probably as hard as it may be, sometimes just letting your kid flounder and just like figure out that, that it's not fulfilling. It's like the best option. Obviously it depends on the kid themselves. Like some kids will be more prone to wander and some kids won't be. But I think the kids who are really adamant about opposing their parents, there's really not a lot you can do about it, except 
just continue to make known what your ideals are without forcing them on your child because that is it's helpful it's like it doesn't it may not seem so helpful to be like well I don't like it when you watch The Office or whatever I don't like this show because of these types of jokes but that eventually like they'll see that and they'll they'll grow up with those guidelines so they'll have an idea of as to why once again providing reasons as to why you don't agree with what they're doing is more helpful than just opposing it outright yeah it's it's a really tough gray area <laughs> um, uh, so and you know letting your kids flounder is something that that I, I think is beneficial to their character growth um, but when they do flounder you do have to be ready there with a with a life raft with something to be able to help pull them out and sometimes that that isn't you you know like sometimes talking to uh, you know like I said getting involved in a youth group is is, is huge um, and uh, you know talking to a leader in a youth group and having them help be 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 the life raft and help um, give your kid tools and and stuff like that to to be able to um, help uh you know help them out of that that floundering because um, you don't want to just let them flounder and then drown uh you <laughs> you know they you know letting them uh the flounder is, is good but drowning is bad obviously so yeah there has to be a point where you you offer them tools to to be able to you know and th those tools are obviously christ and and um uh god's love and um, the power that comes with that. So, awesome. Thank you, guys. Okay. Well, first of all, thank you. And um, I have a kind of loaded question, and I realize all kids are different, and I happen to have a kid that is pretty much very communicative. And sometimes when he comes to me with things, it's very, I struggle as a parent not to kind of want to jump in and say, well, maybe I would do this in that situation. Or what about that? And so I'm trying to practice saying, well, how do you feel about it? Um, what do you think? Or this person or who you associate with, you know, all I would say is I want to know how you feel. And just remember you're judged by the company you keep. And is that something you want? And so I was wondering if you had any suggestions for me or if you think that following this line of asking how he feels about it, what he thinks, would you say that that's helpful as a teen, or would you have another suggestion, perhaps? Um, as far as feeling things go, I think as a teenage girl, I know that emotions run rampant sometimes. But I think, I think it's a good thing to ask their perspective first on the situation, but I also, personally believe that, like it's, it's fine in this day and age um a lot of what we feel we think is justified just because we're feeling it and so we may be angry but it's not a justified anger and so I think challenging your child to like see if how they feel about a situation is justified is really important because if because it requires you to, at least for me when I do it, it requires me to connect with like God's view. <coughs> and it's like, okay, Lord, is it justified that I'm so mad about this? And 
oftentimes it's no. And um, so I think encouraging them to see, you know, to explore how they feel about it, but also try and connect it to see, you know, the age-old question, like, what would Jesus do? And I think it's drawing that connection with how they feel and how God feels that it, it will more often than not create a more beneficial response to the situation than perhaps how you feel. And then because oftentimes <coughs> as kids, we think that our parents, how they feel reflects how God feels about a situation when it may be true or not, but I think it's harder to connect with if we don't feel like how we feel is connected to how God feels about a situation. So I think encouraging emotion as well as asking themselves to challenge it, like they're both equally as important. Awesome. Thanks. We're going to move to the next question. Hi, Mom. Hi. Okay, so my question is for the three others, not up there. You don't have to answer this. Um, so I think the hardest part of a parent right now for me is this whole internet um, and the phone. Here it comes. So how can I do, a, how can we do a better job of helping you navigate, you know, the, um, the reality versus the non-reality of the internet and I know we go back and forth like I don't want that 360 on my phone and I'm thinking okay you're driving eight hours I need to know where you are and how how as parents can we have a better relationship with regards to the internet it's a killer question to end with okay can I take this one uh, let me let me give you a straight the internet is a double-edged sword Basically, uh, the internet has so much that it can provide, but at the same time, the internet can destroy. The internet can lead your child away. I, I've been told this so many times, and yet I still do it just for the fun of it. Um, but in order for, like, a real connection regards to the internet, uh, or like, um, I'm, I'm not sure. What was it? Posting, posting reality and not fantasy. Um, by posting reality, you gotta find the truth in that reality. So, I, I have like zero stuff. I am not really that knowledgeable with Snapchat or Instagram or Twitter because I because I'm that limited. But uh, what I can say is posting uh, fancy stuff or stuff 
to get you popular on the internet is not the same as getting popular in real life. You need uh, the way to uh, really uh, uh, distinguish it is uh, making connections because connections don't happen on the screen. It happens face-to-face. Uh, -face. That's basically what Mount Hermon is all about, right? We make connections, not on the phone, but with each other. That's why we sit together in, uh, in the dining hall and sit together in, in the auditorium and why us teenagers uh, spend time together in small group. We make connections. We we socialize, so so having the having that fancy aspect of internet will always fascinate us. We'll, we'll always be drawn to the fantasy of like the internet, the YouTube, all these funny videos, cat videos, makeup videos, but. Uh, I say just let it happen, and and who knows? Maybe you'll uh, have connection with your with your child with the, on the internet. Thank you. Um, so uh, the internet, a crazy place. Um, so I'm gonna take the platform Snapchat, and my friend Abby will take Instagram, but. As far as Snapchat goes, I think it's really interesting that there's a sense of there when we're posting about how perfect our life is, um, there's a sense of reality behind it as well. But as one one thing that teenagers do, which is kind of confusing, I suppose, is that we like to have private stories. So on Snapchat, you have a main story, which anyone that you add can see. Um, but your private story is only who you specifically add to that story. And oftentimes on your private story, you're much more real, or at least I am. So while I'm not as prone to post about how I have a terrible migraine on my normal story, because like, upwards of 100 people are gonna see and not care about how I have a migraine, the 20 people I have added to my private story will see that I have a migraine. And so there's this, it's like this double reality. We have like two sides to it. So we have the ability to be real and we have the ability to be fake in a sense. But I think that a lot of what's dangerous, I think about social media is that we put out, I think, well, let me rephrase this. I think eventually it comes to a point where the identity and the persona we have displayed on the internet, um, it, it rivals our true identity. And to an extent, it's up to the people who are receiving it to determine who you are because it's up to interpretation. And I think probably the best way to combat that is to make sure that your child, um, regardless of what they post, um, are staying true to themselves because if they know who they are and they know of their identity in Christ, 
it will either reflect in social media or they just won't be as um, easy to be taken away from that. So like if you're called unfunny or you're not pretty enough or whatever on social media, if you are securing your identity in Christ and securing who you are, it won't be as easily like influenced by what others say you are. And yeah, that's what I would say. You yeah you should repeat it. Yeah. Say. Why would I it? Talk about Instagram. Okay. Because they're super. They are super different. I didn't know you could have a private Snapchat story. Uh, like, okay, I'll talk about the Instagram. Like, my parents totally don't get this because they think it's like stupid, <laughs> which it actually is. Kind of, it's pretty much the same thing as like a private story. You can make like several accounts on Instagram. So a lot of people will make like a fake Instagram called a. Insta and post things that they wouldn't post on their like regular Instagram which my parents don't get at all and honestly I think it's kind of like silly but like you yeah you it's the same thing as a private story you just post things that you wouldn't post on your main but on this and you can get more like real I guess um which I my parents totally don't understand and like I said I don't completely either but um yeah would you guys say, so for like the parents in the room, would you say that there's a, pre like why have two separate ones? I just have like a personal anecdote here. It's just that um, when I became a Christian, which was uh, I think my winter of my freshman year, um, I genuinely stopped like posting on my main Instagram account and I have what's called my spam account, which is where I post whatever I want. And that's literally all I post on. I haven't posted on my main account since really I've become a Christian, which is kind of insane. And so it's like, I don't know. I just thought that was interesting. Yeah, so why have a spam account and not just post the things you're posting on that on your main story? I don't know. It's just like this idea, I think, with other people having main accounts, you having it as like your main account, there's an expectation put on it but that there's a different expectation with your spam. It's supposed to be who you are, and it's supposed to be more real. Well, Corey and me. David, and then we're, we're going to have to wrap. All right, so we talked about Instagram and uh, Snapchat, and now the, uh, now the big one, YouTube. Okay. Uh, with YouTube, uh, instead of posting videos, you, have the, uh, you can also post videos, Although, with YouTube, you can watch other people's videos and comment on it. The problem with YouTube is the comment section. Uh, some comments really, uh, really do hurt. And maybe, and maybe the people you, you subscribe to, the YouTubers, they, they might take effect to it. And that's, the, and that's the idea of putting your identity in the internet. It, with being a YouTuber, it's really hard to do content and, uh, and like get so much negativity off of what you do. Awesome, Corey. Uh, Mom, you told me not to answer, so I'm gonna answer just to spite you. They said they like to rebel. I'd like to remind everyone in the room that that was a phrase that was said earlier. Um, <coughs> so, yeah. It, the 
I feel like you are all very confused by the ideas of having main Instagram accounts and separate Instagram accounts. Um, really, just I'm just going to try to offer a, a clear um, difference between the two. The the main Instagram account is just that's like it, it's it's like your your business, you know, because that's what it is for teenagers. Is it's how everyone <laughs> sees you, and it's how you want to project your life. Yeah, it's like marketing your image, basically. So, um, and, you know, as awful as that sounds, it is just as awful as it sounds. You know, it's trying to make yourself look better than you are and, and do all this stuff. And uh, and then your your um, second account, your spam account, whatever, it's, that's where you post about your life falling apart. Um, <laughs> so, uh, and it really just comes down to this, or Jesus, or Jesus. So it really just comes down to this like um, want for attention that we all want, and that's how you know the world has raised us is that we're a very I want it now society, and I want attention now. That's that's how I'm going to get my fulfillment, and that's why a lot of you know people kids do the whole Instagram Snapchat thing is that because that's how they they find their temporary fulfillment is inside this. Um, this social media and that that's at least my my deeper perspective on it is that you know that's where people get their temporary fulfillment and ultimately as parents just you know you can't indoctrinate your children too much you can't forcefully um uh put your put uh opinions of religion and ideals like that on them because they will reject them out of pure um out of being rebellious. So, uh, you know, just, you know, uh, putting them around, you know, peers and uh, just reminding them that, you know, like, the, you know, the things of the world are, are temporary, you know. We, we have to take refuge in God and not Snapchat because Snapchat is temporary and, you know, the kingdom of God is forever. Make no provisions for the flesh. Um, because uh, that, that's all that the social media is. It's just the attention now. Awesome. So we have to wrap up. How long is your comment? Okay, go ahead. I was just going to say, very quick disclaimer, all social media is not bad. There are very good things that come with it. Um, and that's just like a quick disclaimer. So you will definitely put off your kid if you're like, oh, it's evil, because it's not necessarily evil. Also, second, just really quick, with the whole rebellion thing, a lot of it is... Yeah, it may be fun, but also I personally think that it's just like our way to prove ourselves to you because that's what we want to do. And whether or not we're right or wrong, it's just a matter of like wanting to prove that we have a stance that's important. Awesome. Can you guys give it up for our high school volunteers? Thank you. Awesome. Thank you guys so much for coming and we'll see you around.